Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. In this first part of our interview with Ethnia Shalmanje, Director of Financial Markets at Hale Access and Visiting Professor at the School of Management of Lille, we discuss how ESG would apply to Treasury and much more. Ethnia has a diverse career with and is a wonderful Treasury advisor. He's also an exceptional guest and you'll soon learn why. In this episode, expect to learn what is ESG, Why is it one of the most looked at topics by companies around the world today? How does the KPI linked investment around ESG actually work? What's an ETF? Are there any ESG ETFs and much more? Etienne's advice about finance and investing within the treasury sector is both valuable and expiring and we're really excited to share his timeless pieces of advice with you all. If you enjoy the episode, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast app. Your support means the world to Guillaume and I, and it really helps the podcast grow so that we can get great guests like Etienne in the future as well. Last but not least, I'm sure you've heard of our AI Treasury Insights newsletter, which hundreds of treasury professionals are already reading on a weekly basis. It's a three to five minute read every week, which goes through what's happening in the world of AI and treasury, specific for how can treasurers implement it to grow their treasury departments. Follow the link in the description to sign up if you haven't already. And with that, we welcome Etienne. Etienne, thank you so much for joining us in the show. Um we are here today to talk about ESG in treasury and maybe as this is corporate treasury 101 and even if that might be a given Can you walk us through quickly what ESG is? Yes, sure. And thanks uh, very much for the invitation. Uh, ESG is the acronym for Environment, Social and Governance. These are the factors to evaluate sustainable characteristics of a corporate or for uh, an investment. So it's a way to judge a corporate by elements other than financial performance. We call this extra financial performance. It refers to the triple P backed in 1990, standing for people, planet, profits. When you have actually awareness raising that capitalism was not the only focus, but other factors like the well-being of people or planets may bring benefits. So the ESG stands from this triple P uh, move, I would say. Now, looking more into details in these three letters, you can say that E stands for conservation of the natural world. So it's a broad terminology. It takes into account climate change and carbon emission, but you have also water pollution, biodiversity, waste management, etc. For the S, for social, it stands for people in relationship. So it means that we analyze the customer satisfaction, but also gender diversity, human rights, the labor standards, and data protection. And finally, G, it stands for governance. So it's standards, processes in turn to a comp- corporate where they analyze, for instance, The board composition, are they independent or non-independent board members, the remuneration of the directors, political contribution, 
corruption, that kind of stuff. So these are the terminologies uh, behind this acronym ESG. Now what we see is that in the newspapers, for instance, ESG is used interchangeably with SRI or CSR or terminology like impact investing. They are alternatively used in the same way. Actually, there are some different meanings between these four different concepts. Uh, ESG is, to make a long story short, it's kind of a guidelines that assess the risk and the performance for a corporate, for instance. Okay. Now, talking about SRI, it's social responsible investment. It's a step further. So when you are, for instance, a fund manager, you can use these ESG guidelines, but then take a decision, select or not a company, a credit or an equity uh, based on ethical factor. Okay, so it's a step further because they decide to push aside or not some ethical, I would say, framework. So uh, concrete example, you may see a fund manager pushing aside uh, some uh, companies that are considered as polluting or pushing aside tobacco or uh, weapon the company with that kind of businesses. So it's a step further. Now what we see also is we talk about impact uh, investing. Impact is really what can contribute to a social, to an, an economical and environmental benefits. So it's really one step also further. It's really something that can change or uh, a bit shake the lines, I would say. So it's a bit different also. And finally, I've, I was talking about CSR. It stands for Corporate Social and Responsibilities. It's different than ESG in the sense that CSR is seen as internal and qualitative while ESG is more considered as external and quantitative. Super clear and uh, quite some beautiful terms that we want to dig into and break down. Um, maybe before this, uh, to, to give people and also Sam and I uh, an understanding of the, the big picture. Why is it, I think we can say, one of the most looked at topics by companies around the world and not only companies, right? Governments, institutions, everybody is talking about ESG in all its forms. Why is it particularly relevant now? Well, it's a good question, but if you look at what happened since the beginning of 2000, we've seen that the world has changed. Um, we moved from an, a world when we had initiatives, kind of uh, consciousness of something what uh, went pretty much wrong. But since the beginning of 2000 now, we have evidence, we have proof that there is something bad coming into the climate. We called it climate change. And then we had not only the corporate, but also politics. So all the stakeholders uh, decided to move ahead, take decisions and go ahead. So they considered that ESG was extremely important to go ahead, was the future and should not be set aside. Okay. But to make a long story short and to identify one step, uh, what important step 
was uh, the Paris Agreement, so the COP21 that happened in 2015. That's where they decided that the world had to uh, limit by two uh, degrees extra the global warming. Okay, so that's it was a key element behind this decision. Concrete measures was to to put some money at work in order to tackle the objective in 2050. And this is concretely to put $3 trillion a year in order to be able to reach this target in 2050. So, of course, it will imply a lot of changes, but new financing and new investment in ESG to come. Awesome. And that is the perfect transition. Thank you a lot, Etienne, for this um, overview of what ESG is and how it impacts company and why it is a trend right now. Uh, if we look a little bit closer to finance in particular, how would ESG apply to finance? I think you, you mentioned already some uh, greener investments, investors that tend to disregard certain companies, tobacco, oil and gas, and so on. But how do we concretely apply this in all its form to finance? But at the moment that uh, businesses need to change, then of course finance will come along with businesses. It's they they're acting ends in ends. So as long as the business change, you will have impact in the PNL in the balance sheet. Therefore, finance financial control will focus more and more on ESG. You will have also other departments impacting impacted sorry by uh, this ENG component like tax, like treasury, we will talk about treasury uh, right after, but also department like M&A. So definitely, as long as uh, corporate and businesses changing towards ESG, finance will adapt and, and come along with uh, with that. Thanks a lot, Atiyah. Like, Can you explain a bit more about the treasury side of it then? So finance, I understand from our investment book, point of view from an allocation of funds point of view, but what does the treasury department specifically have to do with ESG? Yeah, sure. It's, uh, well, actually, obviously, two, two elements, two activities come directly in mind when we talk about treasury, uh, ESG in treasury. First of all is the financing, and second of all is the investment. It's not only that, but that's the, the two main obvious uh, activities we can identify. Financing, and I, I had the opportunity to be at the early stages involved in financing with ESG component, is the fact that Treasury can contribute also to ESG, to this ESG tendency or to this ESG uh, framework by raising ESG linked or ESG pure financing. You have different type of product and some from time to time we may found a bit lost. What I can say to simplify is that in finance, in financing product, when a company has to has to raise money, there are two different types, two main different types of financing. You have the use of proceeds. Okay. It means that when you raise the money the proceeds will be dedicated to ESG products, okay, to ESG purposes, to ESG objectives. So we take most of the time it's green, but we see more and more social also, or even what we call transition. 
I will explain a bit more uh, about that. And next to that, you have the general corporate purposes, meaning that you can raise funds. Okay, that's for the usual proceeds. Uh, so it's refinancing existing debt. It's for working capital, for instance. But you can identify KPIs that, depending on the performance uh, analyzed at a certain moment of this KPI, decided to give a penalty or not. But these are ESG-linked uh, criteria. So you have two different things uh, to consider when you are raising funds, when you are considering the ESG financing, you have the use of proceeds and you have the general corporate purposes with a KPI linked or sustainability linked. Okay, that's the main, the two main elements. Thank you so much. So take take us into that a little bit more detail. Um, at the end, yep. like what would that sort of investing look like? Do you have examples? Like, how do you go about as a treasurer investing in ESG compliant way? Yeah. As a treasurer, what you will do is that when you have in, in, in excess of cash, you will uh, try to put the money uh, at ESG work. So it means that you will decide it to select banks. If you opt for a deposit or term deposits, you will select uh, money market funds with a ESG component. You can select commercial papers with an ESG component, green, for instance, or even KPI-linked, even if they are not very frequent. That's for, I would say, the short-term investment. For the long-term, you can opt it for a bond front with an ESG component. Okay, so you have, depending on the short-term or the long-term, you have plenty of possibilities to put the excess of cash into ESG-linked instruments. And how do those KPIs work exactly? Well, actually, what you have to do is identify KPIs, meaning that it's key performance indicators in ESG. It can be uh, reducing the uh, carbon emissions. It can be having less of waste uh, or less using uh, packages. It can be less incident or more gender uh, or diversification. So there are plenty of possibilities. You have tremendous number of indicators that you can use, or you can decide to use an index composed by a lot of indicators as a KPI itself. So you have plenty of possibilities. And this is just for, for the example, this is what we did at Carrefour in 2019. We decided to refinance the revolving credit facility with an ESG component. And this ESG component was the index of Carrefour, the CSR index of Carrefour, composed of 17 indicators from environment to social to governance. And the idea was to analyze the performance of this index, of this KPI, every year. And depending on the performance, we decided to penalize or not uh, to, to create a mechanism that contribute to, to, to feed, at that time, it was a, a food transition platform to dedicate the fund into specific product to food transition. Okay, so it's, it's, there are plenty of possibilities. You can use either 
index, you can use a specific API, reducing the uh, carbon emission in uh, 2030 or 2040. That's the most frequent KPI we can use. And at the end of this period, we will analyze uh, what is the result. This result is called SPT. It's the Sustainable Performance Target. If it's about a certain threshold, nothing happened. If it's below, you can decide it to penalize, in this case, the issuer by a certain amount. And the penalty will go to NGOs, to a charity, or to a specific fund, or to put the money to ESG to contribute for the company uh, to improve its ESG. So there are plenty of possibilities, but that's a bit of what a KPI is. So we have plenty of, of, um, of alternatives. So th this one is super interesting, Etienne. So I think we pretty much understand the raise the money, uh, sorry, use of proceeds. Uh, it's like we raise money to funds, uh, I don't know, some greener energy installation or mm -hmm. mm -hmm. a hiring program for more diversity and inclusion. But so this uh, KPI base is super interesting. You mm -hmm. basically invest in a company and saying, look, uh, we give you that amount of money. But then the only metric you will play on is what? The interest rates and the, the time, right? Like you either need to reimburse us faster or at a higher rate in case you don't meet those KPIs. Or how does it work exactly here? Yeah, so it means that today we we identify, let's say that we consider to to issue a money based on a KPI. The KPI exists already. Uh, you have traditionally a baseline, so it means that at least three years before, you have a data of for minimum three years uh, uh, that give kind of an idea of the trajectory of this KPI. So typically, this year, we will see baseline in 2020, okay, with a, a certain KPI. And then we decided to, to fix uh, and to calibrate an SPT, so a, a Sustainable Performance Target, in five years' time, so in 2028. Every year, we will have to verify and to communicate to the market after verification by an external party this trajectory, okay? Otherwise, anybody can say, okay, we are in good shape and we, we don't know exactly if it's uh, right or wrong. So every year, there is an external parties confirming or not the trajectory. And then in five years time, we will look where we are. If we are above the, the target initially fixed, we can say that this is typically what's, what happens in the bond market. If we are above a specific target, then nothing happens. There is no penalty. It's comfortable. And this is how the, 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 to take the bond uh, issuance uh, as an example, this is how it is priced. So when there is a new uh, bond issue with a KPI, it's priced like the KPI will be on target or above target. Now, if in 2028, the uh, target is not reached, it's below the target uh, set based on the baseline three years ago, then you will have a penalty. And typically, what we've seen is that in the past, on bond issuance, there was 25 basis points. Okay, But what we've seen over the last few months and, and years is that in the beginning of this 
sustainability linked or KPI linked, we had, it was the beginning of a new segment, it was the beginning of a new product, so you don't know exactly how it goes, but you try to fix some standards, and these standards evolve. And then 25 basis points happen to be not uh, sufficient enough, then it, the penalty uh, starts to increase, okay, uh, from 25 to 50 or even per year, it can increase from 25 to, to 50, for instance. Um, we, we've seen that, we've seen that evolution. It's part of what we call the greenwashing. We see that in the beginning, there are plenty of companies that come into the breach when it's open, uh, start uh, announcing that there is a KPI-linked product, but in the end, the KPI identified was not really ambitious, and then you see that it can impact, I would say, not really the performance, but because the parts of ESG in, in, this, uh, uh, in this product is relatively limited compared to the, the structure of the financial uh, elements, but uh, the reputation and the investors can turn to alternatives. So when you will come with a new product, then it can impact your the success of the issuance, I would say. So there is uh, a plenty of things moving on where you we try to evolve. It's uh, it's also the fact that when you have a new segment, a new market, in the beginning you don't know exactly how it goes, and then you have more and more regulation, more transparency, more standardization, and then you have also failures. Uh, I remember, but it's uh, a brief uh, brackets. Huh? Uh, but in, when I was in the financial markets, uh, in the banking industry, I was in charge of a credit trading book. I was in charge of the lower tier two and upper tier two, which are the, typically the solvency product. We launch in a lot of lower tier two from, from the banks. And when the, the, the moment that the bank, one bank, um, and Deutsche Bank uh, uh, announced that the lower tier two will not be called. Uh, it completely changed the the picture and the attractiveness for this kind of product. Then it moved, it evolves, it, the, the 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 mechanism evolves, and the, this is a bit what will happen into this SLB market. We will see starting from next year the first SLB coming into. SPT, and we see if they reach easily or not, or not at all, their SPT. If it's not reached, then we can make, or if it's completely above the initial target, we may consider that these uh, products were not sufficiently ambitious, and then the attractiveness for the SLB can decrease. So it's, we will see, it's, it's a working progress, like for every sub-segment, the ESG and more specifically the SLB, the sustainability uh, linked bond, uh, to take this example, they can also move in the coming uh, weeks and, 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 and months, depending on also regulations, the way uh, investors will react, uh, these kind of things. Um Makes a lot of sense. Just for the sake of, of clarity and my understanding, I just quickly Googled what SPT is, but so can you confirm it's sustainability performance targets? And that's what you meant yeah. if it's rich, whether it's rich or not. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. So you have a KPI 
let's say, uh, carbon emission uh, to be reduced yeah. by 50% in 2030. The KPI is the, the carbon emission and the SPT will be to reduce by 50% based on the baseline in 2020. Uh, so you will you will see that in the future, in 2030, what will be the evolution of this reduction of carbon. The SPT measures the performance of the KPI. To make a long story short. We have a, a saying um, in engineering, uh, which is more my background, which is if it can be measured, it can be managed. So indeed, KPIs are super important because you need to be able to measure, I guess, which direction things are going to be able to actually see if it's uh, applicable or not, right? If you're moving in the right direction. Yep. Um, who are the big players in ESG investing at the moment? At the is there someone that really sticks out that you, banks or specific funds that are um, particularly active in this matter? Well, on on the bank side, what we can say is that in, in Belgium, we've we all know that they are, they've been active for quite a long time now, and but it's uh, relatively, uh, and it's not negative, but it's relatively small when you compare to the other banks in terms of balance sheet. But Bank Triodos has been extremely active in ethical and sustainable activity and by financing this kind of project. So that's uh, one name to to pinpoint. Uh, but you have also Argenta, you have Vedic. You have plenty of banks. Now the big, the big players also are extremely active uh, in ESG. Two elements to, for that. First of all, there is not a week without the fact that I received a phone call to talk about sustainability, sustainable finance, to organize a meeting. So it's extremely hot topic for the banks. Uh, that's, uh, that's one element, but also for the corporate. Uh, the second thing is that when you go to the credit committee of the banks for having a credit line, for uh, supporting a business and activity, or for simply an update of the activity of a corporate, part of the credit committee questionnaire is ESG. And it is getting a more and more important place inside of this questionnaire at that point that ESG can impact the internal credit of a corporate right now. So it's uh, it's playing a, a, a very important role at, at the banks. Okay, so all the banks are concerned. Now, more specifically, to come back to the question, I would say that Europe is a step ahead. I won't mention any, any specific names, but the big players are there in Europe. As a second step, I would say that US is getting better and better, but Obviously, and it's a bit of what's, what you can see in terms of politics also, it's a bit of uh, more or less the same. Uh, and then you have other countries, the emerging countries, the Asian countries and stuff like that. But the, the, the European banks are, according to me, ahead uh, and leading the pace in the ESG environment. To, to make the link with something maybe everybody can relate to, or at least have an understanding of how it works uh, for the individual and then spreading it to the um, corporate world. Can you first maybe quickly describe what an ETF is and then, mm -hmm. and then explain if there are ESG-themed ETFs like we could find tech ETFs, yep. specific industries ETFs and so on? Yeah. So ETF is electronic traded funds. So it's close to traditional uh, mutual funds. The difference is that um, 
the electronic trading fund is traded uh, like a stock. So you can find a price at any time during the day, while a mutual fund is the, the VAN at the end of the day, of after the closing of the day. The second point is that it's less expensive. So when you look at the ETF now, it's, it's, uh, the, the, the fees are relatively small and, and make them extremely attractive. And the third element characterizing uh, ETF is the fact that it, it can replicate everything. You can't, as an investor, buy directly an in a stock index. You can't buy the S&P 500. But you can buy an ETF replicating the S&P 500, okay, at a cheap uh, price. So that's all the, the benefits or the attractiveness of the ETF. Now, and it's in line with what we've seen previously, and that's the same for other financial instruments, ETF also have their part in the ESG. And we've seen a lot of ETF, whatever the type of ETF, like whatever the bonds, uh, stocks, they are more and more looking at ESG component as well. Okay, super clear. And so the vision on ESG is clear. Um, the idea of what we can do in finance, treasury as well. Before we get into the, the nitty gritty of the ESG financing instruments and, and go through that. Walk us through something that I keep on hearing is the EU taxonomy for sustainable activities. What, what is yeah. that exactly and how is it linked to this whole ESG investing? It's uh, indeed something that you can hear uh, more and more. And I can assure you that regulation is one of the key uh, elements focusing for uh, not specifically, but for, for treasurer, but also for treasurer when we talk about ESG. Uh, there are plenty of regulations, not specifically in the European Union, but focusing on this point, the European Union has decided, I think it was in 2019, uh, to come with what we called a taxonomy. So it's a classification to uh, dedicated to all the stakeholders, the policymakers, the investors, all the people to clarify what we talk when we talk about ESG, or more specifically, sustainable project and activities. Where does it come from? It comes from the European Green Deal, with the objective to target uh, 2030 and 2050 to, for the European Union to be uh, the continent being the climate neutral. So that's the, the main driver. They want to reduce the carbon emission by 55% in 2030. So that's the European Green Deal. And this generated Euro taxonomy because there was a lot of question, uncertainty and clarification. They decided to put a, a taxonomy a classification on what is ESG and more specifically because it's, it's really focusing here on the environment. Okay. Just for your information, there are discussions regarding a EU social taxonomy, but it has been put aside for the moment. It has been paused for the moment. But when we talk about EU taxonomy, we are talking about environmental. And they, by this definition, they want to target six environmental objectives that are climate change uh, mitigation, adaptation, 
they want also to focus on the sustainability, um, on the sustainable use and protection of water, transition of circular economy, pollution prevention and control, and finally, uh, the biodiversity and ecosystem to be protected. So these are the main objectives. Um, EU taxonomy generates uh, different implications. A small example uh, that impacted a financial market and more specifically issuers and investors is that uh, the ECB, the European Central Bank, decided to, to use these six objectives, six environmental objectives, to elect a bond issuance uh, to be eligible at the ECB for this uh, KPI linked. Okay, so it means that if a company has a KPI has decided to identify KPI and want to issue a, a sustainable sustainability linked bond, they need to have this uh, KPI in relation with the six environmental uh, objectives. So the climate, water protection, circular economy, pollution prevention and biodiversity. If it's one of these themes, then ECB will consider it's an eligible so they can either use it as a collateral for repos, okay, or they can directly via the, the asset purchase program, more specifically the CSPP, the corporate sector purchase program, in which they buy to support, uh, to ease, uh, we, we call this quantitative easing, but to ease or to support the issuers towards the ESG. So this one, the, the, this what was one of the implications from the EU uh, taxonomy. And having ECB part of a book when you launch a, bon a bond uh, issuance, it's really important uh, to be supported. Now, it was in the past because it has been announced that since 2022, it won't invest, it won't only reinvest the uh, investment they did in the past coming into maturity. So they won't increase, they won't do net investment to support the uh, SLB uh, segment. Awesome. Super clear. Thanks a lot, Etienne.